Let everyone know how awesome you are. Lord, let this main event, let what's happening right now, let everybody know, God, who you are. So here now. And Lord, I want you to do a revival. Turn the people's hearts back to you. And my friends, we need to be praying this way. We need to say, Lord, in the crises of my life, Lord, will you reveal yourself to people? When things get hard and circumstances change, your first reaction is probably to think about how you'll be affected. Well, today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to look at hard times as an opportunity for the people around you to see God more clearly. He explains that the world is watching to see if there's evidence that he's real, to see how following God matters. So, like Elijah, you can ask God to use your life to prove himself to be powerful, good, and present. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Kings chapter 18 as he continues his message, The Main Event. worships. Everybody serves something. Good old Bob Dylan, right? Bob Dylan. You know, I love Bob Dylan. I remember when he came to Christ and he sang that great song. You know, everybody's got to serve somebody. Everybody serves something. We're all servants of something. All of us are hardwired to worship, right? And it's time for the people of God not to falter between two different objects of their affection, but it's time for us to make a choice. And of course, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which was, in that day, was how they talked about money. So right there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we have this, you have to make a choice. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? Why? Because you're going to, whichever one you serve, you're going to love that one and, and you will love the other one less or you'll be loyal to one, you'll despise the other less. And so Elijah is standing there before King Ahab, the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah and all the people, and he's saying, listen, you guys got to make a choice. And, and listen, folks, you got to make a choice today. You have to be, are, are you going to worship Jesus? Or are you going to worship whatever else you choose to worship? The, you know, the, they call it in missiology, the study of missions, they call it syncretism, when people want to uh, put together Jesus and other things. And in a lot of ways, American Christianity is full of that, where it's Jesus and then there's something else. So like you have something they call it the prosperity gospel. Really, it's no gospel at all. It's good old-fashioned materialism with Jesus put on in there, right? And then, of course, you have all of the, the legalistic churches where we're right and you're wrong. And so you, so you take Jesus and all the rules. Like you have to read the King James Bible because God only likes his word when Shakespeare says it or something. You know what I mean? And, and you have all these different things where they're, they're mixing together Jesus plus something else. And I always like to remind people, listen, here at Crossroads, we just believe in Jesus. That's it. We don't need Jesus plus anything else. 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's really that simple. But we have to make a choice. And I think for many of us right now, it's like you want to, you have one foot in and one foot out, right? You, you, like you believe in Jesus, but every time a cute guy or girl shows up, like you kind of go off this way. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what you call sitting on the fence. And really, a fence is not meant to be a resting place. A fence is meant to divide you between one place and another place. And what's unfortunate is for many of us, and I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I went through this. So it's, I'm not coming down on anybody about it. Where I was, I had started to walk with Jesus, but I still had my life in the world in a lot of ways. And I knew enough of Jesus that I couldn't enjoy the world anymore. And I knew enough of the world that I couldn't enjoy Jesus. And for many of you right now, that's where you are. You are faltering between the two opinions. Where you got one foot in the, in the life of Jesus and you got another foot in whatever that thing is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. It doesn't matter if I know what it is. And really, we need to make a choice. You know, you need to choose where you are. A fence is designed to be a dividing line. And Jesus himself said, I, you know, I came to bring division, a, a sword between those who are God's kids and those who aren't. And people don't like that in the teachings of Jesus but that's what he taught. And Elijah is speaking of the same thing right here. He's telling people, listen, you got to choose. You're either the Lord's or you're Baal's. And so Elijah decides that what he's going to do is there's going to be a standoff. We're going to see who's God. He said, listen, we're going to choose two bulls. And I'll let the prophets of Baal choose the one that they want. Right? So they get the choice. Not only do they have home court advantage by being here on Mount Carmel, but they get to choose the bull they want. Right? And so we're going to cut the bull in pieces. We're going to lay it on wood, but no fire underneath it. Whichever bull they don't choose, I'll take that one. Same thing. Cut the bull in pieces. We're going to put it on wood, but no fire underneath it. And we're going to call upon the name of God. You call on your gods. You call on Baal you know, Asherah, I'll call on the name of the Lord. And whichever God answers by fire, he is God. So it's like, it's a standoff now. We're going to see who's really got this thing. Now what happens? Verse 25, look what happens. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call upon the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And so they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared it. They called upon the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey. Or be happy is sleeping and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones, he built an altar and in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar 
large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Now, you see what goes on. Elijah lets the prophets of Baal go first. They choose their bull and they begin, they set the whole thing up. And what do they do? They begin crying out to Baal, starting early in the morning. And for hours, three hours, nothing happens. And what does Elijah start doing? He starts giving them a hard time about it. He starts mocking them and their God. And, and, and it's amazing what, what goes on here because as he does that, you know, he, he starts to say to them, you know, listen, may, maybe your God is, is away. Maybe, maybe he fell asleep. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe you guys need to, you know, wake him up. So he, he starts mocking them. You know, and I know that kind of comes off to us as a little bit, a little bit cold on his part, but, but this is why they're there. They're, they're on in, in Baal's home turf, Mount Carmel. They get to go first. They get to show what's going on. And when he starts doing that, then they, he says in verse 20, they begin cutting themselves as their custom was with knives. They begin to mutilate themselves. And what happens? Nothing happens. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid any attention. Why? Because Baal's not a real God. He's not God. He, he's an idol. But then what happens? Then we start to learn something that I think is important. And I'll give you the principle, and then we'll see how Elijah does this. Really, the principle is this, is that you and I, you need to make the necessary preparations. You know, listen, God wants to move, but God invites us with the knobs on our side of the wall to get to be a part of this. And there are preparations to be made. I love what Elijah does here because he has let the 450 prophets and the 400 prophets of Asherah, they get to go first. But then Elijah, he has to make the right preparation. Look what he does. Verse, it says this in verse 30. Elijah said, come to me. Come near to me. And all the people came near. And what did he do? First he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been broken down. There must have been an altar there. It was in disrepair. He starts to prepare it. Then he takes 12 stones, according to the number of the t- sons of Jacob, the t- tribes of Israel. Right? saying, Israel shall be your name. So he's saying, okay, so we have the 12, the symbolic 12 tribes, right? And then it says, then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, 
And he put the, cut the bull in pieces and he laid the wood on it. And then he said, fill four water pots with water and pour it out on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So he sets up this altar. There's the, there's the 12 stones. And then he asks for water. Now, someone's bound to say, you know, listen, hey, where'd the water come from? I mean, I, I thought it was a, a time of drought. But listen, they were up on the mountains. They were just above the Mediterranean Sea. And so probably in the Kishon Valley below or from the Mediterranean Sea itself, they had water pots there. And so he took four large water pots and he drenched the offering. The bull is drenched with water. The wood is drenched with water. The little area below it, the trench that was built, is filled with water. Does this a number of times. And then, instead of having to pray forever, he prays a few short prayers, asking God to do a work. You know, and I think what's so beautiful about this is I think a lot of times we want God to do amazing things, but we actually don't want to have to do anything. And listen, it's not that our works make God do miraculous things, but we actually don't want to prepare our hearts at all. You know, like Elijah's willing to put himself out there. He's out there in front of the king, 850 prophets between Baal and share all the people, and he alone is doing this work. He's the majority of one. He's standing on his own. And he's doing the work. He's, he's building the altar symbolically, the 12. He's rebuilding everything. And, he, and he's doing everything by himself. And the people are just watching him. And I think you have to ask yourself, what does God want you to prepare right now for what he wants to do? Like with the knobs on your side of the wall, what is God wanting you to do so that he could do an amazing work in and through your life? Let me give you an example. One of the necessary preparations we need to make is we need to read the word of God every day. We can't live by bread alone, but we need to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said. And reading God's word not only prepares us for what God wants to do, but it transforms us to see what God is is desiring. Living lives of worship, spending time in prayer. These are all ways of making the preparations for God to do a work when we're in our community groups. And I'm so excited to see so many of you as the Crossroads family. This Crossroads is a church of groups now. And if you're not in a group, join us. Crossroadschurch.net slash groups. Join a group. Because what happens is is that you're making room for what God wants to do. Right? You're part of the preparation. As we choose to step on out and live self-sacrificially by serving other people, not letting our lives be all about us. As we look at our calendars, we say, what what don't I need to do anymore? Because I want to make some space for what God wants to do. Right? We need to make the necessary preparations. And, and really, Elijah does that. And as Elijah does that, when it's finally ready, I want to listen to the prayer that he prays. And I love this because this happens at the, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So even for the writer of First Kings, he sees the reference point being the evening sacrifice time. And what I love is that Elijah, there's no exclamation marks in Elijah's prayer. He's not yelling. He's not trying to convince God. He's just praying a simple prayer of faith. Look what he says. Verse 36. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God 
and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. You know what I love so much about Elijah's prayer here? Elijah's prayer is not, Lord, let everyone know how awesome I am. It's like, Lord, let everyone know how awesome you are. Lord, let this main event, let what's happening right now, let everybody know, God, who you are. So here now, and Lord, I want you to do a revival. Turn the people's hearts back to you. And my friends, we need to be praying this way. We need to say, Lord, in the crises of my life, Lord, will you reveal yourself to people? Will you show people through this situation, as bad as it is, as I trust you, will you show people who you are? And will you turn people's hearts back to you? But see, that changes the way we look at the crises in our lives when we realize that people are watching the people of God saying, how are they going to handle this thing? And when a child of God falls apart, people say, man, there's nothing to this Jesus thing. But when a child of God says, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like this. But Lord, will you reveal yourself? Will you show people that you are the God of my life and that I'm your child? Lord, will you allow this present suffering to draw people to you. Revive their hearts again. When Elijah prayed that prayer, God answered. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the woods and the stone and the dust and it licked up all the water. Now, now don't miss that. Remember he doused the thing with water? I don't know about you. Anybody, anybody, when you want to start a, a little bonfire or a little campfire, you douse it with water first? No, you put gasoline on that thing. You put kerosene on that thing. Not water. If the wood doesn't light, it's because the wood is wet. But the fire came down. It was so hot, it consumed everything. Even the stones. I mean, think about that. You know, even the rocks got burnt up in the midst of this thing. And the people all fell on their faces. Oh, the Lord. The Lord is God. It's not Baal. God has revealed himself to the people. And what's amazing is that at that point, Elijah stands on up and he says, seize all the prophets of Baal. Let none of them escape. And the people seized them and they executed them. Now, look at what happens next. Verse 41, 1 Kings chapter 18. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. And Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. After the prophets of Baal have been executed, Elijah said to Ahab, the king, go up, have a celebration. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, at this moment, there is not even a cloud in the sky. But faith sees 
what is going to happen as if it's already happened. And really, what do we learn here? We learn that God fulfills his promises. Because God told Elijah that he was going to send rain and go talk to Ahab. And now it's time. God is going to fulfill that promise to send rain. Even though there's not a cloud in the sky, he tells Ahab, okay, go on. Go ahead. Go have a party. The drought's ending. And sure enough, Ahab went up to have a party. Where did, where did Elijah go? He went up to the Mount of Carmel to seek the Lord. And notice he bowed down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. He was completely humbled before the Lord. And he said to his servant, go look at the sea. Is there anything? He said nothing. He prayed seven times. And then finally the guy said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand. Now again, we saw this earlier, didn't we? That we have to learn how to persevere in prayer. Sometimes we're, we're, we're so easy to stop praying if something doesn't happen immediately. What happens if Elijah only prayed six times? Who knows? I mean, it's just an amazing thing when you begin to realize that God invites us to really, in a relationship, you need to persevere in that relationship. And so Elijah prayed seven times. All of a sudden, a cloud shows on up. And then he tells the servant, go ahead, go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and go before the rain stops you. He's saying the rain is going to be so big, you're not even going to be able to use your chariot. And sure enough, as this was happening, the sky became black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain as Ahab went to Jezreel, which was his winter compound or whatever. And sure enough, God told Elijah, time to go. And, and Elijah, on foot, wanted to get to Jezreel before Ahab did. Elijah, on foot, Ahab, in a chariot. Now listen. This reminds us, of course, of James chapter 5, verses 17, 18. Speaking of the prayers of Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My friends, listen. Elijah was a person with a nature like ours. But the difference is, is Elijah prayed earnestly. Jesus is real. There aren't very many things you can count on in life. What's that saying about death and taxes? Well, Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message by reminding you that you can always bank on the promises of God. He always comes through and fulfills what he says he'll do. But as you learned, he wants you to be part of that. When you persist in prayer, you get to be a part of the great adventure that God wants to take you on. You can join with him as he works in the world in amazing and meaningful ways. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Look at the clock and come back for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Pastor Daniel will continue unpacking how Elijah walked through significant times of crisis. He'll talk about how it seems like significant lows seem to follow on the heels of great highs. Pastor Daniel will help you see a way forward and how to respond with hope because of Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.